In professional sports, a franchise player is an athlete who is not simply the best player on their team, but one that the team can build their franchise around for the foreseeable future. Welcome into a brand new edition of Franchise Players here on WWBG 1470 AM, part of your TGI Friday lineup. You, of course, can catch us every Friday online at Tobacco Road Sports Radio starting at 5 p.m. Um, at 6 o'clock, you can catch the replay on WTOB 96.7 FM, uh, 980 AM out in Forsyth County, the Winston-Salem area, and typically repeat Saturday mornings. I'm your host, Desmond Johnson. Today, kind of a pro-filled everything. Uh, a little Carolina Panthers talk. We're going to talk with uh, Sam Dracula from All Hornets SI about the Charlotte Hornets and the end season tournament with the NBA. When Salem uh, Journal prep beat writer Mark Pruitt will stop by his annual uh, stop to talk a little bit about the playoffs. We got Grimsley versus Huff, probably the biggest game in the state. We got it here on Tobacco Road Sports Radio tonight, third round of the 4A state football playoffs. Pre-game show with Mike Fanning and Ryan Stone at 7 o'clock, kickoff at 7.30. I will be in the house at Jameson Stadium producing that as well. So if you see us, stop by and say hello. But uh, before we get to all the goody stuff later on tonight, we got some business to handle with these uh, – with these Carolina Panthers, um, <laughs> I feel like I've been going through this each week. It just it deteriorates worse and worse. Had to grab Lauren Brownlow. She is a co-host of the Young Gun Podcast with Dimitri Ravanos over at OG Triangle Media. Go ahead and pound that subscribe button for OG Triangle Media over on YouTube. Putting out lots of great content uh, with Ovis and Gilio and uh, just at you guys and just all the good stuff you got coming out of the triangle. Welcome, Lauren. I think it's your first time on Franchise Players, if I'm not mistaken. It is. Thanks for having me. I love to be on in Greensboro, too. I'm from Greensboro, so always yeah. glad to be on in the hometown. So let, let's just let's just get into the pity party. Um, <laughs> so <laughs> so earlier this week, uh, previously on Carolina Panthers, Frank Wright took back the play calling uh, from offensive coordinator Thomas Brown this week after only three games. Is this the is this the lowest point that you can think of in Carolina Panthers history? I sadly would have a lot to choose from, <laughs> but I think it's hard to imagine a worse one, a lower one, because I think part of it is like, look, and I'm the way things worked out with Jerry Richardson was the right way. And I'm glad they, I'm glad that he, you know, was no longer allowed to own the team and all of that, that was necessary. However, back in the day, the one thing we could trust is that this team was being owned competently in terms of the way that it's run right yeah, yeah. i don't think we can trust that at this point it's, so it, how's it going to get better if the dude in charge and making the decisions at the very top of the organization isn't someone that can run a franchise well and so far we've seen no indications that david tepper knows what he's doing when he's making hires knows what he's doing when he's picking quarterbacks any of that i feel like we got sweet talked like we got duped because if you think about it, the reason why this coaching staff even exists is because we pretty much the fan base was like, hey, you need to get somebody in there that, that has pro experience, that knows what they're doing. They've been in the pros because you did it the complete opposite way with Matt Rule. And I almost feel like if you look back at the track record of David Tepper, because we were talking about this on Believe in Panthers, actually, for the past couple of weeks. And I asked Skylar Callahan, I'm like, how many times have you actually seen David Tepper? He's like, you know, I've never been in a room with him. Like, I think he's we've probably he's probably spoken to us in the public maybe five times in five years. Because I always hear this narrative that 
David Tepper's impulsive and David Tepper's this and he's that and he's vengeful and all this other things. And I'm like, we don't really know David Tepper. <laughs> like he doesn't really talk to us. So we really don't know what the dude is like other than he's about his money. Uh, he's one of the richest, if not the richest owner yeah. in the NFL. Um, but I was thinking back on the track record of the moves that he's made in terms of hires and fires, trades and things of that sort. Does it feel like to you that David Tepper is running this, this franchise from Twitter? Like it feels like he's using the fans to figure out what to do next. And then he does a decision and the decision backfires. Perfect example. And I've been hammering this for weeks. So explain to me again, why we, we traded Christian McCaffrey, because I'm, I'm thinking back on that trade. And at the time when it happened, we had no coach. We had just fired the coach a week before we're in the middle of a season. We just extended him. And then we trade him off. Didn't even get a first round pick for him. Dude is MVP. That's the part. It's that part. Yeah, it's like, that part. It's the first, it's the no first round pick part. Right. Yeah. Like you can't do that. And what you know, it Twitter a little bit maybe with Tepper, but what it also what strikes me about him just judging purely from the outside, like you said, you know, looking in is he strikes me as a guy that makes hires and makes decisions like trying to impress whether it's Twitter, whether it's the fans, whether it's like his NFL buddies, you know, that that prove, oh, I, I know what I'm doing. I'm going to make this big, you know, I'm going to make this decision. I'm going to make the right call here. And it almost feels like sometimes he wants a name that like, and yes, they did say they want NFL experience for sure. But at least for me as a fan, what I wanted is a dude that knew what he was doing offensively and that could, they, they were confident could run this team. I didn't really personally care that much about NFL experience on my end. I know fans might. Um, I would like them to have NFL experience at the lower level at least, but I don't care if they had head coaching experience. Like, I don't know if any of us even said that. People yeah. didn't need that. They What they needed was a dude who knew what he was doing offensively and that knew how to run a team. And, you know, based on at least Frank Reich's weekly press conferences, just going even back to the preseason, it seems like there's a whole lot of decisions being made, both by Tepper as well, but also by Frank Reich of, like, just kind of throwing things at the – like. They don't know what to do. It's like, <laughs> yeah, what changes have we seen with this offense, right? Like, what have we seen them trying to do differently? They gave play calling to Thomas Brown, but I'm sure he was handcuffed in a lot of different ways. The same they didn't take, take it away from him. I didn't like that at all, by the way. I, yeah. I don't like the optics of that, and I think that that should have been taken into more consideration before making a move like that, in my opinion. I, I have to believe from watching the Frank Wright press conference explaining why he did it, and then the Thomas Brown press conference the next day, A, Thomas Brown, he, it great. he, he did not know what was coming. He kind of had an idea it could come, but he didn't think it was coming that quick. Well, the, why would he? Yeah, why would why why would you take this? Why did you even give it to me? Like, if you're right, exactly. Like, well, I had three weeks, and I keep seeing people saying, "Well, Thomas Brown got you that first win." Actually, the defense did. They held Houston to like under thirteen points, whatever it was that day. We scored they did enough 14. offensively, but like, yeah, yeah. The last drive, yeah, and Thomas Brown called it and all that stuff. Good flashes, but again, it, it sounded like. And my next question was going to be, can Frank Wright finish this season as head coach? And maybe Sunday's going to be an indicator of that because this is having eerie 49er vibes from last year. Uh, Matt Rule's last game where the 49er fans just took over the stadium. We get beat down like 38 to three or whatever it was. And then the next day, you know, Matt Rule's gone. Uh, we've been kind of saying this one has similar echoes to it. And some of the stuff Frank Wright was saying in his press conference seemed kind of like, like he knows what's around the corner. You know what I mean? Like yes. he seems defeated. Like, he, he's resigned to the fact that this season is a wash. Whatever they were trying to do didn't work. His plan that got him the job has not worked. It's almost like there's too many chefs in the kitchen. Like, that's why there's no offensive identity, because you've got 
Frank Wright, you've got Thomas Brown, Jim Caldwell's lurking around in the, the hallways doing Lord knows what. Uh, Josh McCown's in the building. There's so many different people that are talking about what to do. There's no identity of what to do. I guess my question to you would be, if you were Nicole Tepper, what would you do? <laughs> what would you do here to kind of correct this problem in the middle of the season? And you got the Cowboys coming in town with probably the hottest offense in the league right now. I mean, I don't know that you can do like there's a lot of things at play here, right? There's the personnel. I mean, the personnel, the offensive line has not panned out. And it's been, I think, way worse than most of us could have even imagined. Frank Reich included, I'm sure. You know, there's all the talk about the fact that, and who knows how true any of it is, that Frank Reich didn't want Bryce to begin with, that he wanted C.J. Stroud. And so maybe he's feeling, you know, maybe maybe that's part of what's playing into this play calling. Maybe he's never trusted Bryce in the first place. Maybe it's the fact that their receivers don't get separation. And when they do, they're dropping it. You know what I mean? Like they're so, and then there's the fact that they give Miles Sanders that contract to a running back to a, like you trade away Christian McCaffrey because you don't want to pay him. I get it. But then you pay a running back 20 million. Like who's paying a running back 20 million? Nobody. For a fraction fraction of what McCaffrey was giving you. Like, and and that goes back to what I was originally saying. I think Tepper, decided it was okay to move off of McCaffrey because what was the narrative among the fan base when we still had him at that time? Oh, he's injury prone. Uh, He's he's overpaid. We need to get rid of him so we can get some draft collateral. Like, I don't understand this fan base's fascination with draft collateral. Because Well, to be fair, they don't, we don't have any. We don't have any. That's the problem, right? Like, they have no picks. Even when we have it, it seems like the the past two regimes have not done well with it. So it's like, okay, we don't have a first round pick this year. So, like, we don't even know who the coach is going to be next year. So it's like that's the least of our worries in terms of having that. DJ Moore, same way. He almost got devalued by the fan base because a lot of people in the fan base here didn't consider him a number one wide receiver. So does that get leaked back to Tepper in some way, or like through a burner account on Twitter or whatever? He's like, you know what? We could put him in this deal. It'll be okay. We got to keep Burns, though. They send him off. And now it's like, okay, that whole statement from Fitter about, we're a quarterback away. We can just parachute a guy in. We feel like got everything around him. That was cool when he said it the first time because CMC and DJ Moore, they were still here. You right. trade all them off <laughs> so you could bring right. a quarterback. And now he has nothing to throw to or pass to. And there's no one protecting for him. Bryce Young is going to get injured. <laughs> like, look, look, there's, I'm no, sorry. He's real. Still yeah. like, and this might be the game, the Cowboys, because they're coming in with this defense and this front seven. And I know they're banged up too, but it feels like this might be closer to the end than the beginning uh, for this regime. And I think this past week was the week that broke my back when I heard the the Frank Wright comments about them not being a smash mouth run team uh, like early in the week. I think that's when all this first started for me. And I'm like, okay, Frank, you kept the offensive line and the O-line coach because of what they do and do well. And now you're not letting them do that at all. <laughs> like you've changed the complete philosophy of it. What are we doing, Frank Wright? So my next question to you would be, let's let's go down the wormhole here. Let's say the Cowboys coming to Charlotte, uh, Cowboy fans coming here and just blank oh. out Bank of America Stadium. They're 60%, 70% of the fans are going to be in there. And let's be real. they are, A lot of them already live here. So, That's like, true. of course that they're coming. Facts. Yeah. So, they're already waiting. They've been waiting. This is, this is a party for Cowboy fans. I've been oh, yeah. Already. Already. They're counting out. Now, say they come in, they win, like, 35 to 3 or something like that, and we just look awful. Like, we have pretty much all year. Is there a person on the staff that you would trust to be interim? At the moment, in terms of, well, of course, they'd have to pull somebody up from here, but it almost feels like the offensive coordinator and the defensive coordinator are fail safes. You know, like they're kind of the yeah, same sure. young 30s. They were up and coming. 
interviewed for coaching gigs last year, head coaching gigs, in fact, already highly paid assistant head coaches. That's why they're here. Do you promote Thomas Brown to to head coach? No, here's the thing. Like, <laughs> what? Here's what you can't do if you're David Tepper, at least for me, as a, as someone watching from the outside, because I wasn't cool when they did it the first time. You cannot promote another black assistant coach to interim only to not take that person seriously and ever give them a shot at the job. Yeah. Uh, stop it. Yeah. Like, literally, stop it. I mean, I'm not. I don't know where this team would be if they had hired Steve Will. I don't know that it would be appreciably better or appreciably worse, right? I know one thing. I know all of the guys on this roster cared a lot more about Steve Wilkes than anyone else they've had in that role. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. and, and I think he's a guy that we, the fans, care about as well. I mean, you know, he's somebody that's been in the Charlotte community for so long and he's cared about this franchise. Not every coach that comes through here really gives a crap about the franchise in that way, you know? And so like, that's what I think David Tepper also doesn't get about Panthers fans, right? Is like those types of people matter a lot to us. You know, those people that have been around a long time and that we get to know whether it's players or coaches or whomever, and that endear themselves to the community and vice versa. Like we love those guys, you know, do we did in the Richardson era, did we hang on to some of them a little too long? Yeah, maybe, you know, and that's a fair critique. It is a fair critique completely. Like, did they need to give Jake DeLone that contract extension? No, no, no they did not. It was <laughs> awful. Um, but at the same time, like what what's the identity without it? You know, what what is it that fans are supposed to cling to here? Exactly. Yeah. Like, yeah. I don't know that there's somebody on the staff that I would look at and say they should be the interim because why? It's like well, it's almost like why do that to someone else on staff? Right? <laughs> why, <laughs> why just let the town do it. Why not YOLO? You know, who cares? The, the uh, I mean, it's, and that kind of goes back to what I was saying before with Tepper kind of going off the whims of the fan base because it again it feels like another example. Thomas Brown at the beginning of the year when we weren't really scoring or whatever. All I heard from the fan base was let Thomas Brown call plays, and we're sitting back like Thomas Brown's never called plays in a live game before. Like, how's this going to get better? We don't care. We don't care. Pitchforks and tiki torches and all that. We want Thomas Brown. Next thing you know, at the bar, Thomas Brown is the play caller. And it didn't sound like Frank Wright was happy about it then when he gave it to well, him. It's you like, know? I mean, to be fair, it's it's a young guy that I think a lot of people see potential in for sure. And it, when and the, the plays Frank Wright was calling weren't working either. You know right. what I mean? Like they just weren't. And so I think fans were tired of them seeing. And a lot of them, like, it's not like we've seen a lot of creativity. You know, like That's I was I saw a film breakdown where they're not motioning very much. They're, they're not they're not doing anything to make things easier on the offense. They're not trying anything different, it feels like. Right. And I think that was part that I think that's a big part of the frustration sometimes is like when something isn't working, let's try something else. And I think that's probably part of the push for Thomas Brown initially, too, was like, let's just try something else and see if it works, because clearly y'all aren't trying anything different or this ain't working, you know? And I think that's the frustration more so than even just like, oh, we're mad at Frank Reich. It's It was partially though, that like it just felt like they were doing the same thing over and over again and expecting the results to be different. And I don't expect that to change. Like, why would no. it at this point? We're halfway through the season. I've always said, uh, you know, especially for guys, once you get to a certain age, you are who you are. <laughs> You're not going to change like your your attitude or how you talk to people or whatever. You are who you are at that point. And it kind of feels like the Panthers are who they are at this point. I will say I've seen a lot of people say, you know, they shouldn't have yanked it from Thomas Brown and all this stuff. I look at it like it's Frank Wright saving his job. I've even seen like the race card and all this other stuff get pulled. I don't catch that sense with this at all. It just happens to be a, a really – 
bad circumstance for Thomas Brown to be in that Frank Wright's trying to save his job. It almost feels like he's been told not so much that, you know, get this together or you're fired, but that, Hey, yo, this offense is not doing anything in particular. And we gave up a lot to get to this position. Something has to change or else. And Frank Wright's looking at it like, well, if my job is on the line, I might as well be the one calling the plays. Like if, if the ship is going, yeah. home, I might as well be behind the stick. You know what I mean? So that's why he's taking it back. Almost in effect to protect Thomas Brown to a certain extent. I would think. Um, yeah. I mean, I could, I would hear that argument too. I just yeah. don't know if it looks great. If no, you're trying to get another job and you're Thomas Brown later, yeah. you know what I mean? <laughs> and, they, and they sold us the same way. You were talking about Steve Wilkes. Yeah. That's how I got off of Steve Wilkes to Frank Wright, because they sold to us that Frank Wright's one of us. He was our first starting quarterback, living well, yeah. 20 years. Like they sold the whole story. The family's here. He's he knows what it means to keep pounding and all that stuff. So it was easier to kind of hop off Steve Wilkes and go, hey, this dude's a Panther too. He's got a plan. Look at all these coaches he's bringing in. I didn't realize I think we have the largest coaching staff in the NFL right now. Uh, like in terms of no really? people on staff. Yeah, Skyler told us that this week on the pod, and I was like, wow. But that explains so much, doesn't it? Like, there's so it many- doesn't even does it right. It's also yeah. like literally, what is everyone doing? What are you doing? Like, what does Jim Caldwell do? Like, what do you? What would you say you do around here, Jim Caldwell? Like, what was your? Like, he's the consultant, but when he was asked, I think it was, it might have been Sheena uh, Luck that asked the question, but mm-hmm. he was asked at the press conference, you know, what exactly? Oh no, no I think it was Joe Person. He was like, what exactly does uh, <laughs> Jim Caldwell do? And Reich's long answer was kind of like, well, you know, I talk to him. He gives me advice, blah, blah, blah. It's like, so he's like your, like your barber. Like, I can't figure out like what it is. What does he do to get paid? To, to There are guys pay? like that on staffs, to be fair. Like, I, I, I know even at like NC State football, they had rough. I, I think they still have rough and McNeil on it's staff. Cool. And he's, yeah. he's in like, an, they call it like an advisory role. And it's, it's always, you know, to have a dude in the NFL. <laughs> Like to have a dude that has like a lot of experience on your staff and isn't in charge of anything isn't necessarily the worst thing, but we don't know how he's being utilized or if at all, you know what I mean? Like I would imagine that because he has a ton of experience too. And I would imagine that like, this is just a guess on my part, but it doesn't seem like there's a lot of group knowledge, brainstorming, whatever being done here. It just feels like the same game every single week the same game plan nothing nothing is really changing and the one week it felt like my biggest thing too is like all right you got one win this year Mm -hmm. why are you playing conservatively yeah what are you what are you saving (laughs) are you trying to lose another game yeah what's happening here like who cares It just doesn't make any sense. Like, like to try the 59-yard field goal last week, it honestly was felt it, it was an insult. Like it's an insult. Like, why why do we keep watching when you do not care about trying to win? Right. And that's where the fan base is right now. Like yeah. they're talking about marching on mint and all this other stuff. And I'm like, well, that's not gonna change anything, but I understand. No, it's not. But if, sometimes I think people feel like you can embarrass David Tepper in public a little bit. He might do something that you want him to do, which exactly. you know. Goes along with what I'm saying. Like he kind of seems like he's going along with the fan base for whatever it is, because now the fan base is turned on Frank Wright, which makes me feel like David Tepper has turned on him as well. And well, David Tepper is quick to fire coaches anyway. Yeah, like this is not new for him. <laughs> you know, actually made the playoffs and he fired him. Right. So I mean it, it right. So exactly. He's, it, yeah. he's making one of these like time loop things where it's like, how if you're a coach coming in, do you want to work for David Tepper? Like, if once this blows up, after seeing what's happened, I don't know if I would. Uh, and that's a problem. Well, <laughs> so. you know what? I only would 
if there was some sort of assurance or insistence that he's learned from some of this and that he's not going to be as involved in some of the decision making. You that's, know what I mean? That's, that's really, the problem. That's why I don't. I mean, yes, you are. You have. There's a quick trigger to get fired. Obviously, we can. We've seen that. At least, uh, although I thought Matt Rule, if anything, was it was a little slow. Yeah. You know, like it yeah. was clear he was in over his head for a little while, but I felt like Tepper stuck that out, almost being stubborn. And now it's like he's almost like. I mean, it, it's it's tough because we haven't seen anything that indicates this is going in a positive direction because that's the, that's the problem. What is the end goal? Like, what is this program, this team, this franchise? Like, what is it building towards and how does it want to get there? Do we have any idea? No, I don't. <laughs> no clue. Like what the plan is here. Um, we didn't even get a chance really to talk about Bryce Young, but the more I thought about it with Bryce, it's really hard to gauge him because of what's going it on is. around him. You know, so I've kind of gotten tired of trying to gauge. I hate the yeah. him versus CJ Stroud conversation. I know it, it's fair. That's they were same draft, number one, of number course. two, all that good stuff. That's going to happen in their whole careers. But in terms of situations, Houston's in a much better place than where Carolina is in terms of their coaching situation, what they put around CJ, offensive line, offensive line, all of it. He's actually that stuck out to me during the Houston game too. I was like, wow, he has time to throw. That must be nice. Should, for yeah, him. Look at that. He's got three <laughs> seconds back there. That's crazy. Bryce Young's got dudes falling at him like over the yeah, like line. from the snap basically, <laughs> and it's from everywhere. It's infectious. Like it's not just icky anymore. It's the whole line. Like you don't know where it's coming from. So I feel yeah. really bad for Bryce. Um, I'm I'm just hoping that he can kind of make it through. But give me your best case scenario for the rest of the season. Like, what what would what would make you feel like okay, they turned it around? I mean, I think what we would all like to see, and I'm sure Bryce would like to see as well, is they're going to keep losing games. Like we understand that. Yeah. But <laughs> yeah. what we'd like to see is the young talent that they have, including Bryce, develop and and have things that they can build on and like have string some positive plays together, get some drives going in a game, like show us at least some flashes of what, of what is possible. And I think he needs to see that for himself too. I mean, I think it was Dan Orlovsky was talking about it this week. Um, on I saw a Twitter video about it and he was talking about how it's so hard when there's just this lack of trust. Right. Yeah. And that builds up over the course of a season. You want to trust your line. You want to trust your receivers. You want to trust your backs. You want to trust your protection. You want to trust all of that. But over and over again, he gets let down. And I think we've seen him develop some habits that you've you've seen people that have watched him, watched him at Alabama, watched him for a long time, say that he never used to do these things. And I think that's my concern with him. If they're going to keep playing him, they need to make sure they do it where there's like a chance for him to have like some goals that are achievable and positive so that he can start to feel good about where his play is going. That's really the main thing for me. He needs to feel more confident. And how would you get confident at this point when everything around you just seems broken? You know, and they need to get him some confidence somehow tweak something. I don't know. Y'all are the ones who understand how to call plays and you're the offensive guy, Frank, right? Like figure it out. Like, I'm sorry. You don't have CJ Stroud. If that's who you wanted, like that stinks. You got who you got now, you know? And, and I, I do feel badly for Bryce, honestly, because it's going to be, I mean, it, it, they're different situations. Has Bryce played poorly at times? A hundred percent. Like, has he made bad decisions? Yes. What I am afraid of happening this year, especially if he keeps playing, and we've seen it happen to quarterbacks, is that he becomes like mentally broken. And I think that's the fear. That is the biggest fear I have. I almost want them to start Andy Dalton. Like, and I do too. I know, mean, I would be fine with it. For his own benefit. And the excuse can be, look, our offensive line's not playing well. 
Uh, there's no run game. I don't think we've had a hundred yard rusher all season, which is insane. they made up an injury for him in week one. Why can't they do yeah, another one? Exactly. Like, I mean, might as well just be like, hey, you know, Bryce needs he's got about six weeks before he can get out of here. So we're just going to bench and put Andy out there. And the offense looked a little better with Andy out there. The same offense. So it's almost like it's tailored for a vet more than as a rookie where well, somebody who's seen it, somebody who's, you know, been in there and understands a, a little like, let's be honest. Yes, Bryce was at Alabama during a down year for Alabama, but a down year for Alabama is not a down year for a lot of teams. Right. But to his credit, because I've seen people say, well, there was no proof he could win games on his own at times at Bama. He was he was kind of he was carrying them. And Far so I don't think that's fair to say about Bryce either. But is his personnel at Alabama still going to be a lot better than some of the teams he's playing, even for down Bama? Yes. And so that's, I think, the biggest difference is that, like, this personnel is relative to the competition they're playing is not – it ain't it. You know, it's just not – it's not good enough. No. I'm I'm so – I'm not nervous about this game. I'm more worried about – uh, deepening the the laughing stock hole that we're in <laughs> on Sunday because Dallas is coming in here hot. Dak is playing really well past three or four weeks. You get J.C. Horn back from a hamstring injury, and oh hey, first assignment: why don't you go out there and guard C.D. Lamb for us uh, for you know three hours, and let's see how that works. Let's see if you can. He's not making it through that game. <laughs> yeah, That's not happening. Field on that game, so don't know yet if Brian Burns is playing. I think he was a full participant. Uh, Wednesday uh, for practice. So it looks like he might be out of concussion protocol. Uh, this might be one of the healthiest that we've been going into this, which is the sad part because I think the Cowboys are favored by Lord knows what. I, I haven't even looked. Not today. enough, probably. Yeah, probably not enough. I think the over-under <laughs> is like 41 or something like that. And I imagine they expect the Cowboys to get a good 38 of that. So uh, <laughs> Cowboys and uh, Panthers, 1 o'clock p.m. kickoff here on Fox. Uh, Lauren, you can catch her on uh, – t- I refuse to call it X. I'm going to call it Twitter until they change it back. So uh, you can catch her on Twitter at L.E. Brownlow. And, again, go and follow the Young Gun podcast with her and Dimitri Ravanos that uh, basically follows Bryce Young and the Carolina Panthers, their woes for this season, uh, at OG Triangle Media on YouTube. Lauren, appreciate having you on today. All right. Anytime. Thanks. Coming up, Sam Dracula from the All Hornets SI uh, platform will come in, talk a little Hornets talk. We'll talk a little Brandon Miller, a little Melo Ball. And did uh, did they make a mistake trade the Clippers trading for James Harden? We'll uh, get into that and more in just a bit. You're listening to Franchise Players here on TobaccoRoadSportsRadio.com. Franchise players are often referred to as the face of the franchise. Don't forget, Tobacco Road Sports Radio is your home for Triad Sports and live Triad Sports coverage. The biggest high school football game in the state is here tonight. Grimsley hosting Huff, third round 4A state football playoffs. We'll have it here 7 o'clock p.m. pregame show with Mike Fanning and uh, Ryan Stone. Kickoff at 7.30 live from Jameson Stadium in Greensboro. You can hear that across all of our channels, including WCOG in Greensboro, uh, 1320 a.m., 105.3 f.m., and WTOB 96.7 FM and 9.80 AM, 14.70 AM. And, of course, streaming live worldwide at TobaccoRoadSportsRadio.com. Joining me right now, he is a contributor for All Hornets SI, Sam Dracula in the house. What's going on, brother? How you doing, man? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. So, uh, finally get a chance to talk a little Hornets stuff here. Uh, we're about two weeks into the season. Hornets 3-7. and seven, Had a lot of injuries, um, but we'll get to that in just a bit. The main news really coming out of Charlotte for tonight uh, Hornets taking on the Bucks. Miles Bridges returns tonight uh, from a suspension. Uh, he hasn't played since April 10th, 2022. What exactly, for starters, what do you expect the fan reaction to be? Because this is actually a home game uh, at the Hive tonight. What do you expect the reaction to be from the fans when he first 
enters the game? I don't know. Because it's also really interesting because of how, like, honestly, yeah. it depends on how well Milwaukee fans travel or how many Milwaukee fans are in Charlotte. Because I That's suspect crazy. the opposing <laughs> team to be more negative than the Hornets fans. If you know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. when the Heat were in town, you heard a lot of let's go Heat, very vocal MVP chance for Jimmy Butler. So I think, you know, watching on TV, it's going to be hard to like split up who's booing and who isn't. Yeah. But I think we really want to be an interesting one to be in the building for if anyone's going. We uh, we talked about this last year, I think in the middle of the suspension, we talked about whether or not Miles Bridges could even come back to the Hornets in terms of us being, you know, we're in the Bible Belt, pretty conservative. Uh, of course, n- more news has come out about his situation and everything, and we won't, we don't really need to go into all that. But um, are you surprised that the Hornets have basically held on to Miles throughout all of this? No, it's just that thing in sports, man. It doesn't matter what you do off the field or off the court. If you can play, you can play. Like Kai Jones got cut for mostly nothing because he wasn't very good. You know, Miles Bridges had some really serious stuff go on um, past, I don't know, year and a half or whatever. And he's back because he's a very good basketball player. And he's back for now. He's a one. It's a one-year deal. Who, like, is he, that that part is so interesting because he's asking for the fans, you know, patience and forgiveness through success, right? But he's not committed to this franchise. He can go. And the horse yeah. to get, could get nothing back for him. After all of this, he held up like last summer, his restrictive free agency put the entire offseason on pause last summer. And then it happened again with him and PJ this summer. And now there's a potential where he walks for nothing after all these Hornets fans have been waiting for something to happen. And so there's a real like there's a lot, it's a very layered uh situation. And me as a Hornets fan, I, I prefer he wasn't coming back. He goes, plays someplace else. But that's me. I don't fault anyone for feeling anything else. Um, but that that that's where I'm coming from. Like this guy, you mentioned his last time he played, you know, he got kicked out of that game. Right. Yeah. Like there's a <laughs> there's a trust issue with him, I think, that he has to gain back beyond the off-court stuff. Like what well, sorry, beyond the the felony oh, charges. Yeah, yeah. Because, you know, he got, he got kicked out of that game. He had the pink lemonade incident. Uh and it's just it's like, what's what's going on? What's it, going on with him? He's like the living embodiment of mess up the bag. Like literally, mm-hmm. he was right there, like on the verge of a, you know, generational changing type contract for him and his family. And then all this stuff like happens like dominoes, boom, 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 boom. And now he's at a point where he's on the seven million dollar qualifying offer. And luckily for him, the Hornets are giving him a chance to kind of redeem himself to a certain extent uh, on the playing court. And I think that. You know, people love a redemption story. Like if if this works out and he's playing well, Hornets fans are gonna love it. They're three and seven. They're gonna love it. <laughs> you know, they'll get over it. They will they will be just fine. Um, speaking of the Hornets three and seven in the first 10 games, what do you think's been the biggest storyline of the first two weeks for the Hornets? Well, I think I mean, I want to say injuries, but I don't want to give them an out. Yeah, this team showed up like the team, the roster showed up to the season ill prepared. The fact that we're talking 10 games into the season, whatever, and we're seeing guards on the floor that are ish smith and uh tail maladon what are we doing yeah there's no backup like (laughs) at all (laughs) (laughs) so you know and it's 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 and if if it wasn't like issues to hear because frank tilakina got hurt so we would have tilakina (laughs) 
Is that was the plan? Like you know, Nick Smith, I guess. Yeah. A, a rookie. So I mean, like, yeah, I, I agree. Like they don't, they didn't really plan for a backup for Lamelo when Lamelo has been kind of banged up. The you know the the years he's been here, um, and you kind of need to expect that he might miss some time. And they didn't really do anything with that. Uh, what are your thoughts on Brandon Miller, uh, the rookie from Alabama? Um, I think hadn't played the past couple of games, I believe, with a sprained ankle, but he may play tonight. Uh, what are your thoughts with, with him? Did the Hornets get that right? Yeah, I think so. I think so. Um, and it's not a negative towards Scoot. I think it's just all positive towards Brandon Miller as a couple of things that aren't really like stat related because he does put up numbers. He does make plays, but just because rookies are going to have that ups and downs. Those, those good things will come. Bad things will come. He'll figure it out. Right. But I think he gets it uh, like immediately, like gets it, like gets what it takes to be a pro for two reasons. A, he already has the trust of his coach. Uh, when, without Terry, we've been seeing Terry Rozier stay on the floor when all the starters come off the game, come out the game. Mm-hmm. And Terry would be the guy orchestrating with guys like JT Thor and Nick Richards are out there, right? When the starters are sitting, Terry stays. When Terry's been hurt, Miller's been the guy to, to A, start in the place of Terry Rozier next to Lamella, which is fantastic, yeah. but also be the guy to stay on the floor with everybody else. That plus, it's one play. I don't want to over, over, uh, blow it, but here, but like, it was, I forget the game, but. Miller had a steal on a fast break, wide open lane. The Eric Collins is like, what are you going to do, kid? Like, the Hornets bench is standing up, and M- the Hornets are down 10. He just lightly dunks it and gets back on defense. Doesn't throw off the glass, doesn't th- put, put it between his legs. He just lightly dunks it and jogs back and get on, gets on defense. That's I love right that play. so much. Yeah, that's the right play. <laughs> and then you saw on the replay, you see a couple guys on the Hornets bench, Frank Tilakina specifically, do one of these. Oh man. Like he wanted to see a highlight play. I was like, Frank, you don't get it. Brandon Miller gets it. So I, I look at that like, okay, he's here. He, I think he has, like, he has it in like, he has the mental makeup to be a good pro. And I think all the little things, you know, he's new miss assignments here on their defensively may make a take, take a bad shot every once in a while. But I think his head is there. I think that'll project him to be a very good NBA player for a very long time. I do like the idea of because I was kind of against I I wanted Scoot. Uh, Me too. I'm not gonna lie, I wanted Scoot. But the more you know, as we got past the draft and I started seeing him in the the summer league and stuff like that, I started getting more intrigued with a backcourt of Ball and and Miller, two dudes that are six nine or, yeah. or or taller and both under the age of twenty two or whatever. Put them together, let them grow. Add Mark Williams to that. You got a three that you can kind of build around. So that's why I'm thinking guys like Terry Rozier, Gordon Hayward, some of the the quote unquote vets on this team may not be here uh for long I, I've, I've always said they kind of are like the the 2012 2013 golden state warriors where it's like you've got these young guys like uh, steph curry clay thompson draymond green you kind of got a core there that you've drafted but then you had like monta ellis and like david lee and like these vets that were kind of in front of them and it was too many chefs in the kitchen and they had to eventually trade off those vets and let the young guys play it feels like we're at that moment we're like uh, I have a, I have a, um, a hoodie that my wife got me for Christmas one year. It's like an NBA jam hoodie, uh, of the Hornets. And on one side is Gordon Hayward and the other side is LaMelo Ball. And it's got like the stat lines and stuff like from the video game. And I've always joked that I need to wear this as much as possible. Cause I don't know how long Gordon Hayward's going to be a Charlotte Hornet. <laughs> Cause it feels like he's the one that's going to get moved. He's got the, the expiring contract. Mm-hmm. He would be great on like the Lakers or really any contender like coming off the bench like some mm-hmm. offense or that second unit and he's and now the contract that he signed which seems so warped back when he signed it 
is almost bargain deal for what he brings to the table at 25 per. Like that's not really nothing anymore in the NBA when dudes are getting 60. So, I mean, if there's someone that's going to get moved off this roster, who would you put your bet on as the one guy that's probably going to get moved before anybody else? I mean, it has to be Hayward. Um, Then that goes back to the Miller pick too. Right? Yeah, yeah. I wonder if Cupjack and them like forecasted ending the, ending the season with Lamelo, Terry, and Miller out there instead of Lamelo, Terry, and Hayward. Right mm-hmm. now, I Miller has miles into that too because he plays he yeah, plays he three, three, right? Yeah, and hell, PJ played the three the other night and played very well. You know, <laughs> so they got options. They got options. Some are better than others. Everybody's playing the three. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I think Hayward makes the most sense. You know, there, there are teams out there that are looking to add veterans. He's a perfect guy to bring in. Um, he could do a lot of things. Um, and you mentioned the expiring contract. That That's a blessing for any franchise looking to get out of a bad extension, right? They're, I don't know when it comes. Hopefully, like, it's like a whenever the opportunity comes to move him has to match up with his health, right? Because oh. <laughs> whenever someone's looking for something like that, he needs to be available. He's, he's already hurt. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> he's already hurt. It's two weeks into the season. I'm looking through the injury report. I'm like, why is Gordon Hayward on here? <laughs> like, yeah, what he, you got, he got hurt on his off day. Like, like, yeah, how'd you get hurt? Not even here. You got hurt on your day off, Craig? Like, what's going on? Exactly. He's like, why are you probable? What happened? Like, what? what, what you're fine last time we saw you. What happened, man? So, yeah. Uh, you know, I, I got out of bed and stretched and uh, <laughs> something just went up. Uh, real quick, just right around uh, around the NBA, the Celtics lead the East right down nine and two. Not a big surprise. They had a big game against Philly the other night. They're in second. Philly looks great since they got rid of James Harden, um, and that's where I'm heading here. The Nuggets are top of the, the West right now at nine and two. Uh, what team, good or bad, has been the biggest surprise for you across the NBA across the first two weeks? Ooh, um, I'm gonna say the Mavericks. Honestly, mm, yeah. like, I don't like I don't like that team at all. They have a lot of guys that just don't like. Oh, <laughs> uh, and they're they're doing it. I like Luca. Yeah, but you just like look around. It's like uh, I don't know, I don't know, and it's working. Um, yeah, I, yeah. I'm uh, same. I, when I looked at the stands today, I was like Dallas. I didn't realize Dallas was in second in the West. Uh, there's a lot of there's a lot of jumbling right there in the middle, like the Lakers and a couple others. The Clippers have the same record as the Hornets, three and seven. They've lost six straight. Uh, they've lost every game since James Harden got off the plane and came into the locker room for the LA Clippers. Are we dumping too much on James Harden or has James Harden deserved everything we're dumping on him? Because I feel like he has gone from being like a top three player in the league to like this kind of cancer that wherever he demands to go, just carnage follows him wherever he goes. And like, he's turning to something else where it's like, I don't want this dude on my team. I don't want him in my city. <laughs> like yeah. I don't want him anywhere around my players or anything. Cause bad things happen when James Harden's around. Does he deserve this critique or is it a matter of them trying to figure this out with all the, I mean, they're, they're real top heavy with the Clippers right now. Oh, absolutely. This, this, this is all on him. Like he's a former MVP. He's a hall of famer, <laughs> but imagine trading for an MVP trading for a future hall of famer. And the day he arrives in the locker room, players aren't even getting off their phone. Like that video of him, Walking into the Clippers locker room first for the first time, Terrence Mann is like laying back, looking at his phone, just looks up, goes back down. Like <laughs> it's, it's and that's that's day one, and then surprise, they haven't they haven't played well. Oh <laughs> like my gosh. if you if you can't like you're not getting it, you're not getting along in the locker room. It's not gonna happen on the court. I saw well Westbrook volunteer to come off the bench. Another guy who like struggles with fit issues, kind of yeah. Now they got two record. of them. Congratulations. <laughs> Congratulations, Clippers! I don't know what you're doing. Uh, you have no draft picks ever. Uh, you're locked with your team. It's, it's a mess. 
<laughs> Meanwhile, Sam Presti is in Oklahoma City, just like giggling, like cackling, like Scrooge McDuck, because he he avoided all of this. Like, do you remember the conversations where we're like, man, this dude uh, decided to keep Serge Ibaka over James Harden in this burgeoning dynasty that he was building mm-hmm. in Oklahoma City. Fast forward ten years, and like he's got. 12 first round picks or something nuts. Oklahoma City's not looking bad. They're actually on, on the come up in terms of one of the up and coming young teams in the league. Chet Holmgren, uh, that whole thing that, you know, they've got some pieces and he's right. got draft picks where now he can bring in a dude from someplace, not James Harden, <laughs> but he can yeah. bring in somebody like a top 10 player off of a trade if he really wanted to, like a, I don't know, I'll throw it out there, like a Joel Embiid or something like that mm-hmm. down the road if something fell apart in Philly. They've got the collateral now and they avoided paying James Harden, which looks pretty smart now and that group and i'll leave it with this that group from that oklahoma city team i feel like they have destroyed the nba <laughs> in terms of <laughs> in terms of player movement because yeah. look at kevin durant russell westbrook james harden how many teams have those three guys played on in the past six years like durant's been on golden state brooklyn phoenix westbrook's been on <laughs> Oh God, I can't even. Yeah. <laughs> the wiz- that wizard stint feels like a fever dream. Yeah, with the wizards, I almost forgot about that. The wizards, uh, <laughs> Lakers, the Rockets, the Rockets, and now OKC, and then Harden, the Rockets, and Lakers. Yeah. Uh, oh yeah, the Lakers for for Westbrook, but for Harden, the Rockets, the Nets, the Sixers, and now. The Clippers. So that how many teams did I just say? That's like 12, <laughs> 12, 15 yeah. teams between three guys that were all on the same team. They've all been league MVP. Like it just it boggles my mind. So NBA season, NBA action is fantastic. Uh, real quick before we get out of here with Sam Dracula from All Hornets SI. What are your thoughts on the NBA in season tournament? How are you feeling about that? Uh, It's cool. I like that. <laughs> I like the importance they're putting on it. Because yeah. it's like you got to fake it till you make it right. If the NBA just treated them like the had the same presentation like a regular game, it'd be hard for fans to buy in. The NBA is like clearly making it seem important. That's true. And they got to make it seem important until it is important. I think when you when you get into the knockout rounds, I think I think you'll really care. Like I heard Aaron Gordon talk about like I think these guys really want to win. They're competitive they the about day. it. Yeah, yeah. I, I saw the Hornets players talking about it too. I love how they they change the courts and stuff, and yeah. uh, they're all colorful and everything else. And tonight is an end season game for the Hornets taking on the Bucks. You can actually hear that game. I'm sorry, I said you could hear high school football on WWVG tonight. You cannot. You can hear the Hornets and the Bucks powered by Tobacco Road Sports Radio. Uh, I believe it's a seven o'clock tip off at the Hive. Um, you can catch Sam's work at All Hornets SI. You can follow that on Twitter at All Hornets underscore SI. And you can follow Sam on Twitter at Sam Dracula. Uh, Sam, appreciate having you on, man. Definitely have you back on as we get deeper into the season. Thanks for having me. Coming up, Mark Pruitt from the Winston-Salem Journal helps me preview Grimsley versus Huff. We'll have that game for you here in a couple of hours tonight. Third round of the 4A state football playoffs here in North Carolina. You are listening and watching franchise players here on TobaccoWorldSportsRadio.com. <laughs> 